Welcome to Relationships with Rob. I am your host, an award-winning author, serial entrepreneur, and your virtual relationship coach. Each week, we are bringing you people who inspire me to live my best life, and we are going to take the plunge and look for clues so that we can have successful relationships too. I truly believe relationships mean the most to us, and we all have different reasons why. So let's get to the bottom of it. And if you're going through something right now, this show will help give you the tools necessary to Break through your own paradigms, leave with your best foot forward, and to never, ever give up hope. Let's get it. All right, welcome back to the show. What's up to my new listeners? If this is your first time, I warmly welcome you. It's Unleash Week here on the podcast. We are featuring the co-founders and their new startup on which I find super inspiring and I find is much needed. And if you guys are hearing some humming in the background, I apologize. There's some construction going on. And so I'll do my best to not get so distracted. And we normally do these kinds of things every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I'm bringing you guys three shows a week, two interviews and a solo. So it'd be wise for you to sub up on iTunes, rate us, review us, the show, you know, if it, re- if it resonates with you and it helps you out. But also, so you get automatic updates and you don't have to check if when, it, when a new episode drops or whatever. And it'll come right to your phone. Today's interview wraps up Unleash Week, like I said, with Seek Smith, wife, a mom of three, and serial entrepreneur. She is the co-founder and CEO of this new self-development brand called Unleash. With 15 years of project management, event planning, public relations, and marketing, she has been able to launch several business ventures, including two music festivals with her husband, Brian. Her other passion is volunteering and fundraising for causes that are meaningful to her, specifically against child sex trafficking. We talked about so many things, her husband of 18 years and her three kids, her very humble beginnings from living in a refugee camp to growing up poor in the projects of South LA and the amazing transformation she went through to get to where she is at. Seek believes that adversity builds character and more importantly allows her the perspective to be excessively grateful every single day. And I truly believe that this is who she is as we get to know her. So make sure you turn into the entire interview and connect with her over on social media and let her know what you thought of today's episode. All right. And so without further ado, let's get to the interview. All right. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of Relationships with Rob. Super happy to have this guest on with me here today. Her name is Seek Smith. She's an entrepreneur, also co-founder and CEO of Unleash and She's just got a diverse, diverse background. I can't go into it all, but I'll let her do that. But Seek, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I appreciate you so much. Um, I met you through a SOGA group and uh, through Lewis Howes' mastermind community, which was great. Um, you were pumping out so much content and just, you know, you're in the middle of a startup and stuff like that. For the people who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about you. Dial the clock back however far you want to go and, you know, give us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am Cambodian. My parents uh, fled the genocide in Cambodia in the 70s. And we were fortunate enough after living in the refugee camp for about six months. I was around three when I immigrated to the U.S. We were sponsored by a Christian organization. And that's kind of where my beginnings started. It was always very, uh, very humble beginning. It was probably the best way to put it. I grew up in South L.A., in the housing projects right outside of downtown LA, about about 15 minutes south of downtown, adjacent to Compton and Watts. 
So that was my childhood. I, I grew up in a very tough environment in the late 80s and early 90s. And I, I point to that time because that was like a very tumultuous time in the height of the gang wars here in LA. So that's kind of, that paints my beginning, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the LA Watts riots, I mean, that was about the time where uh, even just the Korean convenience store owners were having to defend their territory from, yes. from other I, people. Right in the thick of all of that, yes. Yeah, I, so I no. vividly remember all of that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very familiar with that, that. So yeah, it was one of those things that a lot of people don't want to talk about anymore, but there's been a lot of it. There's been a lot of growth since since then. Obviously, there's been growth, but there's still a lot of stagnation there. I mean, it's it's got it's good that you got out of that, that project housing and stuff like that. So yeah, um, I was there until I went off to my first year of college. Um, so I, I grew up in that environment. But I, I will say that I always felt like an outsider like I didn't belong. So that I knew early on as a kid, when I, we, I was just talking about this to someone the other day, but when I was 11 and graduating from elementary school, I didn't want to go to the same junior high all the other kids in the neighborhood were going to. And so I grabbed a form and filled it out and bust myself out of the, the neighborhood. And my mom and dad who could not read or speak English signed off on the forms. And I, yeah, I bust myself about an hour away into San Fernando Valley to go to school. It was a big shift in my life because physically removing myself out of that really tough environment and putting myself in a more diverse environment with, you know, it allowed me to, to expand my vision. So I had friends who, whose parents were doctors and lawyers and um, entrepreneurs, and they had big homes with, with a swimming pool in the backyard. And I would go to their birthday parties in these big old homes where the home that I was living in was very dilapidated and the neighborhood I was in was very, very different from the neighborhoods that my friends in junior high were um, growing up in. So that allowed me at an early age to see things differently and differently and to see the world um, in a more expansive way. That's so awesome. I mean, I have a parallel to tell you as well. In my 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 childhood, actually, I li- I grew up in a pretty rough area of Toronto, and we had moved to a suburb when I was like in about you know junior high. I guess what you guys call junior high? Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I witnessed yeah same kind of thing. I witnessed my friends had huge houses, like I said, lawyers, doctors, you know, business owners. Uh, huge pools in the backyard, same thing. <laughs> and you you witness it. And, and I didn't really look at it through that lens now when I, when I think about it, but it's, it's just interesting to see that parallel. So how old were you when uh, you when you moved out of there? You said college, right? Um, yeah, so- I was still living. My parents were still living there. My sister, I'm the oldest of, uh, at the time, four children. And um, yeah, I, I ended up going to a Cal State, you know, California State University. So yeah, so from... About second grade all the way till I went off to college, I was living in the housing projects in LA. Nice. What did you uh, go to school for? Originally, I wanted to be a journalist, a reporter, or an anchor woman. But then life took a change, of course. I got pregnant, and my son, who is now 20, (laughs) was born um, right after I turned 21. And so, you know, so things shifted. And my husband and I just worked our butts off to give our kids a different life than what we had. My husband had a very rough upbringing as well. Mm. And so we, yeah, we just worked really hard and saved up and bought our first home when we were 25 and lived in a beautiful gated community with swimming pool and tennis courts and 
all the stuff that, you know, that I had dreamed we would provide for our children, we were able to do very early. And so our kids grew up very different than we did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. I always say they're, that's why they feel so entitled, right? The the millennial generation, they always feel like they're entitled, but they don't really know like how it was when we were growing up because they can't understand it. They're like, what is this for you guys? Oh, we give them little reminders. (laughs) Even our parents. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah you for sure even our parents are like oh uh you know we had to walk like three thousand miles to to school well i can't <laughs> even i mean my rough upbringing is nothing compared to my dad who had to like on foot escape you know the Khmer rouge in mm. cambodia through the jungles and, and dodging landmines and i speak of it mm. in a very light-hearted way but i mean if you think about it like i mean you know his sheer you know will to survive and get out of there is I think about how how blessed I am to be where I'm at because of him. Mm, yeah, so much gratitude for sure. I'm just wondering though. We talked about a lot about your your history there. You talked you touched upon a couple of the relationships there, but I'm wondering if there was just one relationship that has impacted you the most. What's that one that has triggered you to do everything that you're doing right now? I would have to say there, there's two. It's hard to give credit to just you know one, but two pivotal relation. My relationship with my parents. Um, it was very volatile growing up because as any immigrant child, you know, you struggle with trying to, you know, they have their traditions they want to impose on you. And then you have, you're kind of straddling two worlds, right? Am I American? Am I Cambodian? And like, what do I do? And, you know, so you have this identity crisis, right? Growing up. Um, And so a lot of it is a lot of confusion, but looking back, I mean, I'm so appreciative of, of who they were as my parents during that time in my childhood. I, I just mentioned this to someone else that, you know, I had a, although I had a very rough upbringing in terms of my environment, I had very fond memories of my childhood because of my parents. They were very nurturing. They were very trusting is the word I would use because, you know, how many parents let their 11 year old kid fill out a form to bust himself out and they just sign off on it. (laughs) You know, like I would never let my kids like make a decision without my, you know, my approval you know, my parents just kind of trusted me to make good decisions for myself, even that young of an age. And I think them doing that allowed me to trust my own intuition, Mm -hmm. um, that their full trust in me gave me permission to trust myself. That's so awesome. So yeah, would you say, would you say that would be the biggest lesson that they taught you is the, you know, the trust factor? Yeah, the trust factor and their kindness. You know, my dad, for, for not being able to provide very much, was always very kind, was, was very gentle. You know, there's, there's three of us, so it's my sisters and, and I, and he was very protective of us as his daughters. And my mom used to always joke, she goes, oh, your dad would never let a fly land on you. It's a saying that she says in Cambodian, in Khmer. And, you know, when I, when I look back to that and I see my dad's relationship with my daughter and how precious it is and how special and uniqueness they have like their own little language and their own little like ways they communicate with each other and and i it makes me think about how he was with me when i was a little girl so i'm very grateful for his gentleness Mm, Um, you had a really really great role model to to look up to there so that's awesome you said you had two people in your life was it you know the other person is my husband um we met when we were 15 we were sophomores in high school Wow. You know, and um, really child like, like, uh, what do they call it? Yeah, and so he is a pivotal influence on me in, in terms of relationships. I mean, you know, we're 25 years together and 18 years of marriage now, which is 
starting to be like unheard of. <laughs> you know, people always tell me all the time when they see us, they're like, you guys met when? 15? I'm like, yeah. You know, and so the one thing that I can say about my husband is he wholeheartedly allows me to be me. He's the type of husband that is obsessively encouraging to, you know, to give me the space and the ability to be my individual self. You know, like I, I am not Brian's wife. I'm Sikh. You know what I mean? So my identity is not tied to being married to him. My identity is not tied to being the mother of my children. I am very adamant about being like authentically me and, and I can stand alone in my identity if, I, if none of these other relationships existed. And the reason why that's very important to me is because that's where you find your source of happiness is in truly being able to be you. And he allows me to do that. He supports that, you know, in, in every way for every part of my journey in life, whether it's businesses that I'm launching or, or anything that I'm doing, he is very encouraging and allows me the freedom to just do it without any judgment, without any, you know, restrictions, without making me feel guilty about any of it. And so I can't say enough. I'm, I'm not even too able to even express in words how much, I appreciate that about him. Mm, and it's obviously working. I mean, 25 years is a very long time to be with somebody and have them stay for that long. It's, it's just, it's a, an incredible ride. And so he's obviously doing something right. There's a big divorce culture in LA uh, from where you are. And it's incredible to see that despite all of that divorce culture, despite seeing all that, he's been able to stand up for you and say, look, yeah, I'm offering you the safe space. I'm offering you this place where you can grow and feel safe and you don't have to feel, feel judged by me. I'm, I'm 100% behind you. Uh, yeah, he's my biggest cheerleader in, in life. Not once have he, uh, has he, you know, because I hear, I, I have friends who have, gone, who have gone through divorces because they're ambitious about their dreams or things that they're doing and then they get held back because, you know, when you're, when you're building things, you know, your time is limited. You know, you've got children to raise, you've got a household to take care of, you've got a husband who has needs and things like that. And, you know, and you're kind of pulled in every direction. And my husband has never once made me feel guilty and saying that, you know, I'm not doing enough as a mother, or I'm not doing enough as a wife, or I'm not doing enough. He just lets me be me, you know? Yeah, it so, seems yeah. like he's, he's definitely focused on the long game. He's like, does he play golf or anything? No, he wants no. to, <laughs> but he doesn't. I mean, he's great at it because I mean, yeah. he thinks about he thinks about you know, just the long game, the whole the whole picture, mm-hmm. you know, playing the whole thing. So that's awesome. So I guess you're more than qualified to answer this next question that I have for you. It's kind of like for new couples. It's not kind of; it is for new couples. If there's like a new couple out there and they're listening in, and if there's I guess some unwritten rules to their relationship, I guess something that they should be looking at and paying attention to because they have marriage and kids to look forward to and and things of that nature. What are some things that this young couple should know? I think there's first and foremost is to always be kind to each other, that you're not in a battle. You know, I think a lot of relationships end up always having these battles that are insignificant and those little small battles turn into a big old war. And so for me, it's being very conscious about understanding that my husband is there to love me and care for me and support me. And in return, I should respect that and be kind and be gentle. Um, and so for me, kindness is at the, at the foundation of it all. If you can, and that's with anybody, right? With any relationship, if you can be compassionate and kind, um, that eliminates a lot of the other, you know, um, 
hardships that comes along with, you know, being in a relationship with people and you, and you start there. And then, and then the other part of it is always being a cheerleader for that other person. You know, my, I'm my husband's biggest cheerleader, you know, in whatever he wants to pursue and do, you know, I know he's capable of, of all of it and more. And so I'm always there to support him in, you know, in encouraging words and, you know, in resources, if I need to connect him with somebody, if I, you know, so we're always, um, there to support each other. So I think the two is being kind and supporting each other. Yeah, those are great, great, great answers. Because when you when you'd mentioned kindness, I, I did I did this journal and shout out to the author here, Natasha Sharma. She had created this journal. It's called the Kindness Journal. And every day we or I had to document, see what I'm grateful for. There was a quote in there, but also like a highlight reel of the kind things that I, I can do for either myself or the people around me. It would have been interesting to see had I done it with a partner yeah. uh, and if you had done that, you know, kind of like at the very beginning of your, you know, your journey together, how much that would pave really the way for. Oh, I know. This is something more recent. <laughs> you know, I mean, believe me, I mean, 20, 18 years, 25 years together, we've made our share of mistakes and oh, we've made, yeah. you know, some horrible decisions in terms of our relationship. We've survived those, but had I understood some of the things that I know today, we would, have not had such a rocky start in our in our relationship mm-hmm. because we were young you know we were impressionable and we I mean think of a blank blank canvas like we're coming into the relationship with blank canvases we had not formed our political views we had not formed our way of thinking about life and 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 our dreams and our goals and any of that you know and we had to we had a choice right we had to either come together and create a vision that we can share or we can be on completely different paths. And what happens with a lot of relationships that starts off very young, like ours is people outgrow each other. My husband and I made a very conscious decision to grow together and that we've actually had conversations about. That's awesome. Uh, what would you say your biggest strength is when it comes to relationships? I have more weaknesses than I can think of strength, but for me, it would probably be... Um, I'm a connector, you know, I, I'm, I am big on just human connection. So finding ways to always connect on a human level, I would say my biggest strength. Mm, Love that. Yeah, that was just a bonus question there. I was just curious to see. But yeah, grounding, that's the grounding power. It's actually a really, really big thing. Um, Some people can get into like a high anxiety, like a high anxiety and anxious state like me sometimes. Like as much as calm as I can be here, there are some times where, yeah, I believe it or not, it gets like anxious for me. Uh, You know, so to have that kind of energy around, like I said, it's a healing power. So that's great. I do want to just segue here a little bit. We're going to take you to a part of the show where I can get to know you a little bit deeper, even though I feel like I've already gotten to know you so much. Um, But but the audience can connect with you too, as well with with these random, random questions called the random five. Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Let's do it. Um, Okay. If you could domesticate any animal in the world, what animal would it be and why? You can have it as a pet. Oh my gosh. Um... I'm, oh, first of all, I'm not a big, I'm not an animal person, <laughs> so we'll start there, but um, I like cuteness, and so I would domesticate a peacock, because I just, they're so beautiful, um, you know, like it's, it's one of those creatures that you see, and they're so stunning, and you just want, well, at least the male, the male peacocks, <laughs> with their beautiful colors, but yeah, I would domesticate a peacock, because they're just so gorgeous to look at. I love, you know, filling the world with, with beauty, you know, because it just brightens up your day. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, the moment you said peacock, I thought about the zoo. I was whenever I go to the zoo, there's always just peacocks roaming around, yeah. and uh, yeah, it just totally reminds me of them because they were the ones that like actually are like they actually come up, they're not come up to you, but they're just they're fine with humans. Everyone else is caged up, so yeah, that's yeah. So they get to be a little freer in the yeah. zoo. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Maybe you're drawn to that energy too. So awesome. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite book or is there something that you're reading right now that you'd like to share with us? You know, I have to confess, I'm not an avid reader. I, um, I consume, well, thank goodness for the internet, right? Like you can, you know, my husband sends me audio books. My, my husband loves to read a lot and he'll send me, he goes, you got to listen. He knows I don't, I don't like to. He says like, you got to listen to this <laughs> book, you know, or that book. Um, I don't have one off the top of my head. I know it's kind of lame, actually, <laughs> that I can't even recommend a book that I really like. Um, I've, you know, I've read, you know, biographies and things like that. I'm fascinated by people's lives. So I do read those type of books. Um, I dove into the work in anti-human um, trafficking for the last decade. And so one book that changed my life was the book written by Somali mom out of Cambodia. And that book was the shifting of me going into the nonprofit world and giving, you know, being of service to others and wanting to change mm. um, situations and, and, and that. And so that has shifted my life quite a bit. And so I can't even think of the title right now. I was just looking at the book the other day, but it's by Somali mom and ma'am. It's okay. We're going to put this episode out in a little bit. So maybe I'll follow up with you. But damn, that was, it hits home for sure. I could feel that. It's right in the, right in the heart. Okay, awesome. Um, if you could hop on a plane right now and go anywhere in the world, time or money isn't a thing, where would you go and why? I would go back to Cambodia. I had mentioned growing up, you know, you have this identity crisis as an immigrant child, right? You don't know if you're trying to be American, you know, but you've got Asian parents as well but I had gone through kind of like a little bit of an identity crisis trying to figure out because I had pushed my culture away for so much trying to be more American that I completely lost that part of me and so there was a point in my life where I was searching for that connection to my culture and so I went on this like journey of discovering the art and the music and all those things and so um, I have a very I have fondness towards the country of Cambodia and how much beauty and art. Cambodians are very artistic people. Um, if you look at Angkor Wat and the carvings in the temples and the dances and the music and everything, um, every single Cambodian person I know is some type of creative. Mm. Um, and so I love that about our culture. And so that journey has allowed me to, you know, my husband and I launched two Cambodian music festivals because of it when I was looking to find myself, you know, um, and part of the reason for launching that music festival was to honor my dad, my dad, who was a musician, he's a drummer, and he would have been one of the people targeted for execution during the Khmer Rouge um, takeover of Cambodia. And, you know, I wanted to honor the fact that he survived that and, and yeah, and so my husband and I put together two music festivals to pay homage to him and, and create and rebuild the music scene for Cambodia because 90% of the artists were killed during that time. Wow. And so we lost a lot of the music and the art and the culture. Um, it was literally wiping out the culture. That's freaking crazy. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so. it's a good choice. You're making me want to go there too. When you said in oh, Wayne, I was just like, damn, oh, I saw pictures. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I got to go there. It's lots, lots of history. Lots and yeah, tons of Yeah, the pictures like doesn't even describe yeah. the pattern. It's yeah, such a I mean. massive, <laughs> yeah, such a, I mean, there's 2,000 historic temples in throughout Cambodia. Holy so shit, yeah. What um, you see is just one aspect of it. Yeah, that's a, that's a definite place for me to hit up. So awesome. Um, if you had to meet someone who has passed away right now, it doesn't have to be a dead celebrity or anything, who would it be and why? Um, I would want to meet, oh, that's a tough one. I've never been asked this question before. I would want to meet like a George Washington. Mm, dead you president. Um, yeah, you're talking about the, the, the significant figure of starting one of the most open society in the world. You know, America is for all its flaws and for all its, you know, problems and, and things that we still need to fix in this country. It is still the freest country in the world, you know, and it, it allows people to dream and dream really big. And so, yeah. So like a George Washington and the fact that he didn't want to be King and that he wanted to create a country that allowed for true democracy, you know? Mm. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great answer. Dead presidents, we get that a lot on the show. So it's not, you're not alone on that one. Awesome. Um, do you have it? This is the last uh, question of the round of five. Do you have any weird eating habits? Do you ever get called out for anything? Yes. I'm obsessed with the white Tic Tacs. My, my husband and my kid, I, I have this, you know, you know, when you go out to dinner and you're at like, you know, Asian food is very savory and like full of garlic and everything else. So I have this obsessiveness to like, keep my breath fresh and so <laughs> so my <laughs> husband buys me like extra packs like he hides them in the car he puts them in the glove compartment he'll, oh, he'll just buy God. me extra tic tacs and my kids are like mom finish that one pack in like an hour like how'd you do that <laughs> but you, i eat them like candy that's hilarious you and my dad would definitely get along he always has mints on him but not tic tacs he always has these uh lifesaver mints but that's hilarious he's yeah it, for like me it's you. specifically the white tic tacs <laughs> There's my weirdness. <laughs> That's awesome. No, this is great. I love it. This is why I ask these questions. They're kind of they're they're kind of silly and goofy. So yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, that brings us to the end of the random five. And uh, you know, I just want to take a moment and thank you for coming on the show. It's been lovely just having this conversation with you. I've realized there's a lot of depth to you that. And and I wish I could go for hours with you and talk about all the stuff that you've been through. We have a lot of similarities in our life. And um, I'm glad to see that you're putting all your skills to use and, and showing up in such a very, very big way. And, you know, hope we can, hopefully we can talk a little bit about that. And, you know, so, but firstly, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, where are you usually hanging out? Yeah, well, easy, you know, on Instagram, it's seek, S-E-A-K underscore Smith. And then for Unleash, it's Unleashed with an E. Um, underscore official and that's both on Instagram and Facebook yeah and you know we're doing lots of crazy things this year there's it's we already have a pack 2019 so people can opt in and at our website unleash.com with an e at the end and yeah and just kind of stay updated with all the we have tons of announcements coming up um, so there's many ways to get involved with with unleash and with our anti-bullying campaign that we partnered up with Boot to Bullying. And so, yeah, so lots of fun stuff. We have a speaker series and we work monthly. Um, so, and those are free. People can register for their, t- I mean, they're here locally in LA right now, but the idea is that we expand to other cities at some point. But yeah, lots of cool stuff. Yeah, I've been following along your journey. I'm definitely going to be collabing with you guys somehow to get some eyes and ears up here in Toronto. We're a very big city. We'd love to support nice uh, people and we love to support 
organizations that are doing things for the community and on issues that not only hit home but hit home for everybody in not in North America. Just it's not just like a, a an LA thing or you know it, 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 it's 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 a, it's a worldwide thing. And I love how you guys did the bullying thing right off the get go. If you guys want to see what they're up to, actually, it's good to follow their Instagram. So I'll link all that up in the show notes so you guys can get to it. I and mean, then it's definitely fo- follow along because you said there's a lot of announcements. And if you're in the LA area, I saw a flyer that she was doing. Is I think that's what you mean by the speaker series, right? Do you do those? Are you gonna do those more? frequently because like i said we're gonna record this now but we're gonna put this out maybe in first week of march so maybe we'll follow up with you and see if you have any more events and i'll put that up as well yeah they're monthly they usually land on the third thursdays of the month Mm. you know for the most part um but they're they're at various we work locations throughout la so we had one last month that was at cobra one location this month is at Culver City location, and then we'll probably do another one like at Playa Vista and Silicon Beach. And so they'll move around um, throughout LA so that other people can, you know, be a part of it. But um, but yeah, I mean, we would love to expand to Toronto. We have interests of people in Denver and Seattle. As far as the campaign, the pop-up, we're doing a pop-up photo shoot tour. And so for those that want to become part, to join the campaign, they can actually probably come into a city near you pretty soon. So yeah. Yeah, stay tuned for that. I'm going to try to bring one here to Toronto. So if any, any of you guys listening in from Toronto, we do take volunteers. Um, if you guys want to model for the shoot, if you guys want to, uh, you know, take photographs for the shoot, then come to yeah, me and we'll set that up. I'm going to talk with Seek and her business partner that we had on the show. Just and maybe we'll do an unleash week for you guys or something where Monday, Wednesday, we'll post up uh, cool. these two ones. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. So I'll let that happen. And then, yeah, just before I ask you the last question here, is there anything that people should know about you? I, I haven't asked about you. I don't know. I, I, you know. I was telling you earlier that I'm, I'm starting to share more. I'm starting to understand that because I relate to other people's stories when people share their stories. So I'm learning to share more and not, um, and not worry about judgment (laughs) because I think at the end of the day, we are all on the same journey for compassion, to be loved, to be accepted. Right. And so I try really hard not to be in judgment of other people because everyone has their own journey and their own struggles. So I'll leave it at that. Love, love, love that. Thank you. Thank you. That pretty much warms us up for this last question here. So I always ask my guests, and it's always centered around heartbreak. And heartbreak comes in all sets, all shapes and sizes and forms. Most people find me through divorce and separation, but you know, heartbreak can be a death in the family or uh, a job loss or anything of that nature. If somebody's listening in who's kind of going through something like that and is down and out, what would you say to that person? Well, I'll go back to my most recent heartbreak was Four years ago, I lost my job. I had worked for my company for 14 years um, and I was fired. And that was devastating enough. We had to quickly shift our lifestyle and figure things out, you know, with three kids. But then three months later, my husband lost his job of 13 years. And so that kind of financial devastation was certainly nothing we were prepared for. It was a huge heartbreak. I mean, that's probably the best way to describe it. It was probably one of my darkest moments of feeling, you know, worthless, feeling, um, questioning who I was. And, and, and not that I never built my identity around the job that I had. I loved my job. It was a wonderful job. It gave me all the skill sets that I'm using today to build my business. But I do remember going through a period where I just wanted to crawl into a cave and just kind of hibernate 
And it took me about two and a half years to get out of that. So this was just, I don't know, a year ago. I can say that I finally like started the journey to healing and rebuilding myself from that experience. But the biggest advice I would have when you're going through something like that is to be obsessively grateful every day, every day of your life, because that mindset saved us. My husband and I could have divorced over it, you know, because family and people divorce over money issues. We didn't have money and it's easy to fight. And we, we chose to stay in gratitude and we chose to never a fight about the situation that we were in. Mm. Um, and that saved us. Love it. Seek Smith, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Robin. Boom. All right. So now you guys have met the co-founders of Unleash this week. You guys need to now get on board with their mission, their vision, because they're putting out so much amazing, amazing things into the world. Go check out that photo shoot campaign that they did with Buddha Bullying. It's over on their Instagram page. I've linked it up in the show notes so you guys can get to it in one click. Let's seek know what you thought of this episode as well. Tag her in a social media post to your tribe. Share it out with a friend, you know, because we're all in this together. And if you guys want to see certain episodes or hear certain topics, let me know over on Instagram. I'm only a DM away. I'd love to connect with you guys and continue the conversation, all right? So never give up hope. I'm out of here, guys. Rob, your host. Peace.